What if you've spent your entire career becoming an expert only to find out it's not helping your business grow? On this episode, we sit down with Daniel Dolphin and he shares with us how that realization has helped him prioritize the things that matter most to his customers. In studio, as always, Dustin Webb, our producer. I'm your host, Jeff Martin, and here's our conversation with Daniel Dolphin. Let's get it. So today we have Daniel Dolphin of Dolphin Horsemanship. Daniel, thank you so much for coming in. Well, man, I was waiting on the invitation and I finally got it. So. <laughs> oh, so that's what you go. Oh, I'm going to do that. That's what you finally got. Hey, but we really, you know, I've known you from way back when you were the uh, scout master for my boys when they were going through Cub Scouts and Boy Scouts. I taught them their first knots. Yep. Yeah, you sure did. The first knots and, and a lot of things. And uh, But it just shows what kind of person you are, that you're willing to spend that much time dedicating to these young kids coming up uh, to get them off to a good start. Thank you for being here. Thanks for all you do. My pleasure. My pleasure. I want you to take us back to the moment when you said, I finally get it. So I was at an expo for horses and i had been asked to be the mc the guy on the mic but not to ride in it two of the people that were riding in it were other peers of mine and one of them i had been compared to a lot heard his name a bunch and hadn't ever actually seen him ride and then there i was having to describe what he was doing and this will sound a little disparaging but the 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 moment I had that changed my career was realizing that the skill set I had spent 25 years developing wasn't nearly as important as I thought that it was. And I had to shift and figure out what was important and what was going to be the thing, because evidently the thing I thought it was wasn't the thing. So, man, that that was the moment. It that's was eye opening, huh? It was disheartening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it like felt like you were gutted like a fish, you know. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that was the moment. <laughs> well, let's. Uh, so explain to us what you do. What what is dolphin horsemanship, and how did you get started in that? Dolphin horsemanship is a, a horse training and people training business. I like to say that I help horses with their people problems. <laughs> uh, I've been into horses since I was a kid. One of my, my stories is I, I actually bought my own first horse when I was 15 years old. I was splitting firewood and I had a two acre garden. I sold vegetables out of in high school and I wanted a horse and I had cash and I was an independent minded kid. And that was the moment my parents realized raising an independent minded kid was maybe not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So I went out and cashed up and bought a horse. You bought a horse. <laughs> and, 15 years old. 15 years old. And they didn't know anything about it. Like I had it for a little while before they realized i had a horse did, did y'all have a farm with a barn and a place to put the horse or, i had a or? friend oh, okay a friend who had all of that stuff and his dad was cool enough to let me kind of just slip that out there and and uh, i had a blast i mean i was out there every day working with that sucker so. so what i heard was entrepreneur from early on you had a two acre garden you were growing and doing this and putting selling it yeah, I bought a chainsaw when I was 13, and I used that to split firewood. I'd cut firewood. We had a lot of pecan orchards in the area, so limbs fall. And the, the old men farmers love to see a young guy that wants to work. So I had no problem getting access to this stuff. So I'd cut firewood. I would split it. And one of the farmers wound up with a piece of ground 
that was about four acres. He was planning on building a house there, but it had a massive pecan tree. And I have pictures of me. Like the pecan tree was about the size of this table. Yeah. And he told me if you'll cut that tree down, then you can have your garden out here and sell the vegetables till you graduate high school. So that, that took me all day long. I started on that tree at six 30 in the morning. It fell at five 34 PM. And that's the day I became a man. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, that was like a, Absolutely. a battle for my soul to get that tree to come down. That's uh, hilarious. But then I had a garden there and grew corn and tomatoes and peppers and squash and all that kind of stuff through high school. Kept splitting firewood, all of that. So. And, and you uh, you were cashed up enough to go out and buy your horse. I, I bought the horse, yeah. Um, then all of the tack and stuff that went with him, and, and I had a blast. He was uh, he was actually a problem horse. So this is one that you hear about car salesmen and horse traders. Well, this was a horse trader, and <laughs> this horse would, would rear up and flip over backwards trying to squash oh, wow. you and i didn't i found that out the hard way i didn't get warning or something like that and so now i've bought a horse my dad doesn't know about and it's extremely dangerous yeah and now i have to fix this because if he finds out a i've bought a horse and b it's trying to kill me he's gonna solve that problem you know so so is that the first horse you worked with i guess pretty huh? much that it was a baptism by fire yep. and no training or anything like that no no it was very crude at that point in time um, it was just young testosterone and determination against a horse. So Wow, that's fascinating. Uh, number one, that was your first business, your first horse that puts you into doing what you're doing now. And you, you started off with no training. Did you end up going and following somebody or going to some kind of training for equestrian stuff? So when I went to college, there was another farmer that had a horse across the road and he basically had a, a foal he wasn't expecting that had gotten old enough that he needed to get it broke. He knew that I was riding all the time, and he basically sent me to college with this horse. And he got a DVD. This was in the days of VHS. I'm sorry. Yeah. A famous horse trainer named John Lyons. He had a six VHS training deal of how to start a horse, and he got that, and he sent me to college with a horse and those tapes and figure it out, basically. Uh, it started there, and then I got a, a job cleaning the stalls at a barn. I wound up actually breaking horses for Louisiana Tech at what was their racing stables at that time. No kidding. And then I got a job working for a cutting horse trainer for the rest of college. I worked for him for four years while I was in college. And I started, by the time I graduated college, I'd probably started three or 400 horses. That's unbelievable. Now, when you say started, you're talking about breaking them and, yeah, the, and the where they're couple, rideable? Yeah, the first couple of weeks of riding, basically. Yeah. yeah. And I love what you say, people problems. You're you're working with horses with their people problems, right? For sure. Again, it's sort of a disheartening, eye-opening part. But once I've ridden a horse for a certain part of time, let's say a few months, 95% of riders aren't skilled enough to get that horse to do everything it'll do at that part. So you'll see a lot of times horses have personalities and all of that kind of stuff and the the ability to get along with them really is in how to understand their personality just like people relating to one another but you're now doing it with something of a different species so yeah, yeah. that's where the problem comes in for most people it's not that the horse isn't trained enough it's that they don't understand how to get along with the horse that's kind of the essence of horsemanship what i try to teach is just how to understand and relate to the horse in a way that they can understand and relate back to you. 
That's fascinating. No, I'm, I'm not kidding because there, yeah, there are pharmacists out there. There are accountants out there. There are very few horsemanship folks that I run into. This is fascinating. There are more and more. That's actually one of the odd things in our, when I'm sending out emails and stuff to expos and those sorts of deals, I now use the tagline, hi, my name is Daniel Dolphin. I'm one of the 1,217,384 horsemanship clinicians. Because at the point when I was young, there weren't that many. And I kind of always thought I'd wind up doing this. Whenever I was working a horse in my mind, there would be a crowd there and I would be explaining what I'm yeah. doing and what I'm seeing. So I've always kind of been working it that way, but I always felt like I had to get to a point where I was good enough and I had enough depth of understanding before it was responsible to start teaching. Yeah. And when I finally decided I was good enough, there were about 1.2 million other people that had already decided they were good enough and, and got out there. Correct. So the market yeah. is actually pretty saturated. That's fascinating. And now with social media, the challenge is there's so much noise. How do I get heard? Correct. Correct. That's why my hair grows gray now. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine's gray too. But, but, uh, you know, it's to me, it's all about authenticity. And, and there's one thing that I can tell you. I was showing Dustin earlier a video of you, uh, from behind a tree where you put your leg out and then you open up and you're showing a bunch of bits. And, and I said, that's Daniel Dolphin right there. You know, he's, he's, he's true self. And so that, that's part of it. I'm really kind of fascinated with this. And, um, I, I'm, so I want to be clear. You, you go to expos, you put on a clinic and you teach people about horsemanship. Mm-hmm. And then through social media and you're traveling on, on different expos, People may come to you to help you with their relationship with their horses and you work with the horse and you work with the people. It, it depends. So um, like one of the things that's gotten pretty popular, particularly since COVID is we now do virtual lessons. Yeah. So with a zoom call or something, I'm actually giving lessons to people in Canada live, which, which is, yeah, it, it's, that's another, it's just some of those other moments, but like we've sold products and stuff to people on every continent, but Antarctica. So I've come from the South Louisiana guy with a, a chainsaw and a garden to an international or global business, which is really just my wife. And I, I mean, that sounds more grand than it really is, but, but it's no, kind of it. a reality of it now is, is uh, we've had videos and things used to sell products in Scandinavia and it just it's kind of mind-boggling sometimes it is mind-boggling <laughs> that is so cool American dream over the 2025 years you were working on a certain skill let's talk about what that was when you kind of ended up having that light bulb moment if you will sure it, it's more or less the the technical aspects of riding a horse which, which this may sound it may be hard to describe but it's like with an artist and a brush stroke it's that that little in between thing that nobody can see unless you're also an expert. But when you back away from it, the little things add up to that extra. Yeah. Something. It was more of that. It's the, the ability to feel the horse's feet and balance and weight shift and the timing of it. That was part of it. So, so as you work with more and more amateurs, you sort of see the, the layers of that, of, of where people start and, and sort different of the levels pro- of skill, yeah, the progression of, of where they typically go. Yeah. yeah. And so if I'm hearing you right, you, you thought you were at a skill level and then you kind of realized maybe you weren't at that skill level. No, just the opposite of that. Okay. He was, 
amateurish and the audience didn't know the difference. Uh, and so I have uh, spent a long gotcha. time. And that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. It's scary as hell. Like I spent decades honing a craft that no one appreciates, but seven people in the world that, <laughs> because you have to be a peer to see the difference. You yeah. Know? Uh, that was the scary moment for me right there, but yeah. it, it's also kind of liberating. Like one of the real advances to me that helped me in my career was simply access to video. Uh, Jeff, when you and I were kids, a video recorder was this massive yeah, box on your shoulder, right? And, yeah. uh, you'd have to rewind tapes and all this stuff. Now everybody has a phone in their pocket that'll do it. There was a period much earlier than this where I started getting people to video me every once in a while and I would watch it and I would realize that all the little mistakes that I was feeling and knew were there, you couldn't really see. I was more critical in my mind than what yeah, people yeah, could correct, be of correct. me otherwise. And it does allow you to relax a little bit and know that those mistakes are are not known by everybody but at the same time i'm i'm pushing myself i want to be at the tip of the spear and you have to be critical of yourself in order to to get there you can't rest on your laurels so yeah but at this point i also understand that that's that's a skill set that very few people will ever recognized or appreciate and that's okay you know i'm i'm okay with it but i don't feel like that's the necessary level anymore i was talking with another horse trainer not long ago and and maybe this is tmi but like i have permanent scars on my calves from contact with the horse and just the skin being and he was kind of talking about the same thing and now we see these 28 year olds out here that are competing with us and it's kind of like you know pull your pants up and let me see your calves. <laughs> let me see your scars. If you don't have these scars, then you know you need to go away for another five or six years before you come out here in public and try to teach everybody again. That's right? hilarious. That's hilarious. So it is a little disheartening knowing that you've worked on this craft for so long and it almost goes unnoticed. And and I would say a lot of business owners, a lot of entrepreneurs probably feel the same way. When you know when I work with people, a lot of times um you just have to be ahead of them to be the expert. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I mean? And and you don't necessarily have to be too far ahead of them. But um, I guess that, that's a knock on your psyche when, when you realize, man, well, they it's don't also, even see it. Yeah, the, the best product doesn't necessarily always win. You're right. It's usually the messenger. The one who can deliver the message better is the one who wins the day, which is kind of sad, kind of disenchanting too. It, it is, but it's reality. You have to deal with reality. So. That's right. That's right. Talk to me more about your, your business. I kind of summed it up what I think I know it. Tell me about Dolphin Horsemanship and how you're serving people today. So we have a website that has a subscription side to it where I tend to do very detailed, very comprehensive stuff. If, if you're into the cliff notes, I'm not your guy. If you want to really break it down into the minutia and really understand it, then then that's more what I tend to do. So we have a subscription side where we have a lot of that stuff. We generally are putting out about eight hours worth of content and two um, specifically written articles for the website each month. I also write articles for other magazines. And then we have a YouTube channel and a Facebook presence and Instagram and all of that stuff that we try to keep up with. I'm not as prolific at that stuff as other people are uh, at times, but uh, you got to play the game. <laughs> you got to play the game. Yeah. So. Yeah. And because you have one 
million two hundred eighty-six thousand <laughs> other folks doing it, right? Yeah, there are some I, I, you keep up with, and you you see them post so much, you're just like, what the hell do you do all day? You know, it, what I mean, exactly. I know how much time it takes to write these things. Like, <laughs> what are you? How do you have this much time? But anyway, that's their their deal. So yeah, yeah. I always ask this question. I'm certainly going to share that your website and your your social media profiles in the show notes. But um, as people interact with you, whether it's at an expo or uh, somebody who contacts you, how do you leave people both different and better than, you know, when they come and they engage with you? So I try to focus on two things with them. One is that they have to learn to ask the right questions. uh, One of the very common problems that we have is that people come to me with a problem and the problem that they have isn't the problem that they think they have because they're not asking the right questions. So I want to not just give people the answers, but also teach them some skills as to how to ask the right questions. Because if you get the right answer to the wrong question, you're, you've not really done anything. Um, Secondly, I wield humor like a sword, or at least I try to. And a couple of the real issues we have, like like horses are a little different than some other things because there's an actual element of danger in there. And a lot of things that we work with are people with fears and phobias or they had a wreck, they got hurt. Um, you have a 75-year-old lady that comes off a horse and breaks her hip. Six months later, she's back in the saddle. Probably she's now got some baggage that's emotional and traumatic to deal with. And I try to use the humor for that, for the people that are overthinkers or that get too emotional, fearful, and those sorts of things. The humor just brings you out of that back into the thinking mind and allows you to relax and remember that this is supposed to be fun that's why you got into it in the first place if you're not kind of smiling and having a little bit of fun with it then what's really the point so you have really been an entrepreneur since the age of 13 tell me uh the best business tip you can give somebody it's a cliche but fail faster there have been way too many times when i was trying to work harder and put more time into and fix something that I should have abandoned and just moved on. And and so uh, being pretty determined is a large part of my personality, but it does not always serve me well. Sometimes you need to admit defeat and move on and kind of get, get into the hustle of the next thing a lot quicker than I tend to do. Thanks for joining us this week on I Finally Get It. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Check out the show notes to find out what Daniel and Dolphin Horsemanship are up to now. See you next week when we sit down with Whitney Sapwalk and she shares the moment she said, I finally get it. If you or someone you know is a business owner and wants to share your light bulb moments, reach out to us at jeff at ifinallygetit.com.